2: You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 41. Tyone finally wins one. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy start of a new week. And the uh, Cubs are taking on the Padres out west in San Diego as they begin a uh, lengthy road trip.
3: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of weird, Dustin. You know, usually in the past, I've hated West Coast road trips, not just because you have to stay up until the wee hours of the morning to catch the games, but Cubs have not had much luck on West Coast road trips. This year, though, it's been a little bit different. Let's hope that keeps going, you know?
2: Absolutely right. Uh, it's worth uh, the night's lost sleep, especially a couple of these games. Uh, we'll get into the first game. That was uh, Jamison Tyone versus Michael Waka.
3: Hallelujah, right? Finally, the name of the uh, episode, he finally wins. The Cubs win 2-1 to and that's what we have finally been talking about. We get it. James Tyone finally answers the bell. After not getting a win in his first eight starts, Jameson finally picked up a W. Quote, I thought that was probably a closer version of myself and where I needed to be, where I should expect to be going forward. That's what Tyone said in the last start right against the Reds. And so we talked about that. It was, you know, even though the results weren't good, that was the best Tyone had looked. And then finally he comes out against the Padres and goes 5.2 innings. He gave up three hits, one run, no walk in three K's Padres didn't get their first hit until the fourth inning on a Tatis junior single. Didn't give up his second hit in, uh, until the sixth on a rough and double. The only extra base hit that the Padres had. He advances and then scores on a dribbler down the third baseline that hopped about 52 times. And Patrick Wisdom Prey would hit a pebble and roll foul, but it stayed fair. But that was the only run the Padres would score, the only one run that uh, Tyon would give up. And Dustin, you and I talked about this. You know, obviously he couldn't get much worse, but we were concerned more about, you know, when is he going to get better? We knew he had to sooner or later get better. Boy, the timing couldn't have been any better.
2: Timing could not have been better. You're completely right, Crowley. I mean, they really needed that one. It was a tight game. There were some pressure situations in that game that uh, he got out of. So, yes, kudos to uh, Jameson for finally walking the walk after talking the talk for so long.
3: Yeah, and there's an interesting quote that Jordan Basham put up there, and they were talking to Dansby after the game, you know, and it's this idea of that big contract, and I do think it gets in some guys' heads. And uh, Dansby said, you want to prove that you're worth every penny, all these kinds of things. And you, you could put so much internal pressure on yourself that you're trying so hard instead of just being yourself. Mal, that would be Dansby's wife, who is a soccer player for the Chicago Fire and the women's national team, said, stop trying, just start being. And hopefully, you know, maybe Dansby gave that advice to uh, Jamison. But, you know, I mean, that's that I, I know how hard. From all accounts, everything we've heard about Jamison is great guy, great clubhouse guy, you know, wants to win, all that stuff. And maybe he was putting a little bit too much pressure, and hopefully this helps him breathe a little bit, you know?
2: Yeah, hopefully that's what happens. Um, Listen, I think now the next start is the next most important start for him, right? We need to see him put a couple of these together like most of the other guys in the rotation have so far.
3: Right. It, 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 the thing is, is that like, you know, every guy's going to have a couple stinkers. But if you have a guy that is continually, it's a, a loss every time he's out there like it was previously for Tyone. If you get one stinker or two guys in a in a rotation to have a stinker plus the one automatic loss, now you're on a losing streak. So you just, you can't have automatic losses. It just can't happen. Not with a veteran like Tyone. I thought the uh, bullpen looked really, um, looked good, you know, not great. But you know what? They held it down. Uh, Brandon Hughes replaced Tyone. He walked the first battery face, but got Manny Machado, who was activated before the game to ground out to end the threat. Uh, Merryweather followed Hughes coming in with uh, one out in the seventh. He got the next two batters to strike out. But he, in the eighth, he gave up a single to Odor, who reached second on an air by Mike Talkman. let it get past him, and walked the next batter to put runners on first and second with no outs, or with one out. And then Alzalai came in and got, or I'm sorry, one out, yep. And Alzalay came in and got Xander Bogarts to ground into a double play. That was so out. key,
2: so key. Big I mean, time. Albert Alzelay was key, but I got I have to give the guy a little bit of credit. Um, he was kind of my punching bag for a little while, but Julian Merriweather has actually stepped it up in the last couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, he, he's he's done pretty well, and and, and like you said, Alzali to me is the best pitcher coming out of the pen, and and to get, get out of that stretch was something I think that was really important, and Mark Leiter, back to being Mark Leiter, striking out all three batters he faced in the ninth. So that was a game like you talked about. I mean, the offense, Dustin, didn't do much. It was basically the Dansby-Swanson show. The Cubs scored right. two runs on four hits. Swanson had three of the four hits, they drew five walks, but they couldn't cash in, going 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. They left six men on base. Nico and Dansby hit back to back one out singles and Hat hit one to second. The Padres tried to turn a double play, Hat beat it out. That was some great hustle. So, I mean, the, you know, they get one run that way and they get another from a Dansby solo shot in the fifth. So, this game to me was just so huge because, again, it was Tyone. You're assuming a loss. The offense is not doing much of anything and, and 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 the bullpen was able to survive. So big, big win, I think, for the Cubs in game one.
2: Oh, huge win. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, we had that great quote you saw you put out there from Swanson, but um there was a quote from Tyone that I saw that he told Ross, now we go. So he got that kind of monkey, if you will, off of the back, right? He he took it off, got rid of it, and now now he's ready to uh to start doing the type of things that they paid him all that cash to do.
3: I mean, like like I said, I can go down a list of Cub free agent pitchers that flopped out of the gate, or just didn't, or didn't do what you expected. It's a long list, and I don't, I don't know why, it, I don't know why it happens, Dustin. I really, again, everybody. I mean, John Lester, you know, really didn't have a really good April or beginning of May. Uh, when you think about Strowman, he was okay. When you think about uh, Tyler Chatwood and you Darvish, who we're going to talk about next. Neither of them started out really well. I mean, that's just something that happens, and I can't. I wish I had some sort of data or some reason to prove it or back or or, or explain why, but I don't. (laughs) All
2: right, Crowley, let's unfortunately get into game number two. I was hoping that the Cubs would uh, pay back their old teammate, you, Darvish, a little bit, but most of the guys, I mean, there might be two guys. That were on the same team as you, Darvish, as a Chicago Cub. But you, Darvish, uh, had no problem sticking it to the Cubs, and uh, maybe David Ross helped him out a little bit. That was probably the worst lineup I saw David Ross send out this year.
3: Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. And you know, I, I love you, Darvish. He's one one of my f- nicest guys. I think you know he had a bad year. He started out with the Cubs when he started out, and I uh, say it was what twenty eighteen. 2019 right around there and then he got injured and then the next year he did really really good so i mean i think that you darvish is a great pitcher and and uh you know drew Smiley had no okay case start it wasn't great wasn't bad but again another one of those starts that he kept the cubs in it he they went 5.2 innings gave up three runs only so three runs it's not like you're getting your butt kicked or anything no but that was that was on seven hits three walks and four Ks so when you combine the hits and the walks not great. The Padres scored two in the second on Brandon Dixon, sack fly and a Trent Grisham double. Tatis hit a solo home run in the third. That made it three nothing. Um, you know, so right right away, not good. And then Michael Fulmer came into relief smiling the sixth, He gave up no runs, two walks and two Ks. So too many walks, I thought. And then Jeremiah Estrada came into the game in the ninth. That was his first time pitching in five days and he gave up two singles and got two out. But then uh, Fernando Tatis, again, I think somebody is due for a test, um, but he hit his second homer <laughs> of the game, and the Cubs were down 6 nothing. So if you take a look at this, really, you know, between, you know, Fernando Tatis, four RBIs in that game. So he's the one that really killed the Cubs. And with Jeremiah Estrada, yeah, I love the kid. Here's the tough thing is that when you don't pitch for five days, I mean, that's not great for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you got a of no win
2: situation no win situation for him there that that's that he was put in a situation to to fail that, that's, yep. that's how i that's how I look at that but he it, ate it, he ate up he ate up an inning um and that that's a good thing I and mean, sometimes you gotta i know you don't like vegetables so we we'll use that analogy sometimes you got to eat your vegetables and it looked like that's what he was doing.
3: Yeah, I think I think he kind of came out, and it took him a little while to get in his groove, and unfortunately, Tatis just had a good game. And look, I don't get mad if you give up a home run to Tatis Jr. That's what he does. You know what I mean? You don't get mad if a guy gives up a home run to Manny Machado. It's when you give it up to some scrub who hasn't had one home run all year. You know what I mean? That's what bothers me. Tatis, he's going to get you. Juan Soto, uh, he's going to get you. These guys, are. that's what they do. They're great players. No, Nothing against Jeremiah Estrada. He almost got out of it. Tatis had a hell of a game. Again, I just would like to see Jeremiah get some more regular use, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not the one who gets to kind of decide who comes out of the bullpen, and I'm not the guy who decides. (laughs) I'm not the guy who decides. You're not. No. Are you breaking news here, Crowley? Are you breaking some news? More news breaking. I'm not the guy that writes out the lineups, because if I was, like you talked about, writing out the lineups, it would not be the atrocious one that David Ross trotted out in that game. It didn't matter if the Cubs, you know, it didn't matter if the Padres scored one, two, three, six, ten runs. The Cubs' offense wasn't going to score any. It was awful. Let's take a look here at what David Ross decided would be a good idea: Bunny at third, Horner at second, half left, Suzuki right, Swanson short, Talkman center, Rios DH, Mervis at first, and Barnhart catching. So here's the thing, Dustin. No, everyone knows what. David Ross was trying to do. He wanted to go heavy left-handed, but just because a guy's left-handed doesn't mean they can hit. Right. Okay. I always make the
2: argument in these situations. If you were in a playoff game. Okay. If they were in a playoff game against the Padres and you Darvish was the starting pitcher, would you trot that lineup out there? Of course (laughs) not. Of course not. And I'm not saying that it's a playoff game when it's game number whatever we're at 47ish right right now 40 whatever game they're at right now. Right. Um, but like on the same day Tucker Barnhart is a really good receiver but when you're going to start him right now you're figuring four outs. Okay? And it is what it is with him. But on that day you can't have Rios as your DH. You can't have Master Boney up at the top even though Master is going to get the one of the hits that the Cubs did get that night. He got one of them, but um, you know, Mervis is ice cold. It, it just too many of the same type of guys playing in the same game. I mean, that was a game to get your, uh, your account with Bet rivers or whatever, awfully healthy if you would have waited and looked at that, uh, that lineup. Cause I would have bet against the Cubs that night for sure.
3: Well, here's the thing, Dustin, what you're talking about. You have master Blani leading off, Never should those words come out of your mouth, Master Buani. Leading off, that nice. shouldn't happen. So he's got a 157 average, and then you go through your normal, your Horner, your Habs, your Suzuki, your, and then Swanson down lower than he normally is. But then you go at, at the last four. You got Rios batting 0.071, Mervis batting 1.179, Barnhart 0.156, and you roll back up to Master Buani 0.157. So after the first time in the lineup, Udarvish had one two three, four guys hitting below the Mendoza line. That's half your line up there.
2: All right. I just don't understand why Horner, like why, why yo-yo with Horner? If Horner's your lead off hitter, let him lead
3: off. I mean, what's the point of him batting second? It, 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 there is, it makes, I, I don't get it at all. I mean, he wanted to do the lefty-righty-lefty-righty thing and oh, whatever. Give me a break. Again, It's, give it, me a it's break. just, it's awful. And you, Darvish, absolutely destroyed that lineup. He went seven innings pitch, gave up two hits, no runs in nine Ks. For the Cubs offense, they had two singles, two walks, four total base runners, no extra base hits. They were 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. So I guess we can't complain about that.
2: Yeah, let's uh, let's get off of this game because it was an absolute atrocity and it's 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 beautiful outside and it's a start of a new week and uh, let's just let that one be. Let's get into game three, Crowley. Sunday afternoon, Marcus Stroman, Ryan Weathers, the pitching matchup. What an awesome afternoon for Marcus Stroman.
3: Cubs take this one 7-1. The Stro show rolls on. Marcus went six innings pitch, gave up four hits, one unearned run, Uncharacteristic error by Nico, but oh well, three walks and six Ks. He lowered his ERA to 239, second best in the National League. In case you're counting, that was Stroh's 11th quality start, which leads MLB. According to Jordan Bastion, over Strowman's last four starts, he had a 124 ERA with 21 strikeouts, 12 hits over 29 innings. He's tied for first in innings, 79 in the NL, and he's third in the majors. I don't know if you saw this, Dustin, but there was a little bit of a matchup, a little game between Dustin Strowman and Juan Soto. Did you have a chance to see that?
2: I did, but I saw the first part of it. The second part, I actually caught on the radio, and I wanted to ask you if you were watching on TV or if you caught any of it on the radio because let, let's – are you going to play a clip for us? Yeah,
3: let's play a clip right, from Strow. Let's hear what Strow had to say.
2: I mean, Soto's incredible, man. I Everyone sees how I've talked about Soto on, on social media before.
4: I think he's going to go down. as one of the best players to ever play this game. He's an incredibly tough at bat. He really
1: doesn't swing at anything outside the zone, so it's always a, a game. You know what I mean? And that first inning, he was kind of sh- nodding at me after the walk, so I just put in my back pocket just in case I, I punched
4: him out later in the game, and I just so happened to. But that's not easy to do, and I'm not going to sit here and, and say anything because I know he's going to get me at some point too. So... Just some gamesmanship he's awesome to play against because, he, like I said, he's one of the greats. I truly believe that. So it's, it's a chess match pitching against him
2: because you need to go in the zone. He's not going to expand. He's not going to go outside the zone. So I, I love that A-B against him. So I love that. I love that comment. I love the comment from Marcus Stroman. So for those that didn't catch all of it, the first inning he's talking about, he draws a walk. And there's some staring going on. There's some talking going on. Some gamesmanship, if you will. And Stroman's kind of nodding his head. So later on in the game, Stroman strikes him out. It might have been for his sixth strikeout. It's either the fifth or sixth strikeout that Stroman has on the afternoon. And after he's done, he does this little, he goes towards the Padres' dugout and does like an electric slide almost, you know, two steps to the left. And Zach was doing the game on the radio because Pat's doing TV. And Zach asks Coom do you think he's hurt? Is there something (laughs) wrong with him? Like he was trying to like work out a leg cramp or something. And Coom is got the benefit of having the replay there of a monitor in the booth. And he says, no, I think he's actually doing like a little shimmy shake kind of thing. So some people I know didn't like it. Some people loved it, but I think when you see what happened in the first inning and then you see what happened later in the game on that strikeout, it's kind of one of those, tit for tat kind of things, right? It it was, it was, you know, they both have a ton of respect for each other and it was no, no, no crime in anything. It didn't get any benches clearing or anything like that. But if you only saw what Strowman did after striking him out, I can understand where you'd be like, yeah, come on, act like you've been there before.
3: It was uh, Strowman doing. He basically doing Juan Soto's move. Juan Soto does that move when he does something really, really good, like a home run or something like that. So he basically took Soto's move. And if if you heard about it, it's all about respect and having fun. And we talked about this. Remember, the Mets didn't like Strowman's beating his chest and yelling stuff. I don't care. Did you remember? I don't think we talked about it. But you see, after the fact, the next day, what Buck Showalter said about that. What was
2: that? Do a better job and go out and get some runs on him if you don't like it. So good. Exactly. Good for him. Exactly. You
3: know, do, do your job instead of worrying about what he's doing. Do your job. And and you heard what Stroman said is, is that, you know what, there's going to be a time where, where, where Soto's going to get me and I'm just going to tip my hat. And that's that's part of right. the game, man. It's part of the it's, game. It, it's so much fun. And, and just let it be. And and
2: how about if the you pen? Want, if you don't want that, then you may as well have robots out there or just play video games, Right.
3: Right. And what about the bullpen? You had Julian Merriweather. Michael Fulmer actually did good, and Brandon Hughes in three innings. They gave up one hit, one walk, and three Ks. That's what I like to see. Get those walk numbers down. Don't give those free bases. And then the offense. Dustin Stroh has to love that support right there. Seven runs on 11 hits, three for eight with runners in scoring position. They left only three men on bets. They pounded starting Ryder Weathers, knocking him out in the second inning. Uh, they scored in the first on a Nico double and an Ian Happ RBI single. Then in the second, I would talk about gambling, betting on this one. Back to back Jacks to lead off the inning by Jan Gomes and Trey Mancini. And then uh, Dansby Swanson doubled to add two more runs. The Cubs were up 5 0 after two. And then in the third inning, Miguel Amaya hit a two run homer, his first in the major leagues. Miguel Amaya was called up on Saturday. He went three for three, scoring two runs on three hits with two RBIs. A little bit of a surprise move. We'll talk about that more in segment three, but just such a great game for uh, Miguel Amaya. So good to see it. Yeah,
2: I caught the runs on television, and then I went to radio after that. Felt fairly comfortable felt I could get back to enjoying the beautiful weather. So took the, uh, took the game in my pocket and went back outside. So yeah, that was a good one. And before we, before we talk about uh, some more stuff, Crowley, let's not forget Marcus Stroman right before we started today named national
3: league player of the week. Absolutely deserved. And, and he it just, like I said, just like, like he's, he's enjoying himself and having fun. And I will tell you in that start, it looked like he struggled at the beginning. And sometimes Marcus kind of, when he struggles, he really fights against himself. I felt he did a good job after a little bit of a bumpy start to really kind of smooth it out. I really liked that start for Marcus because he didn't have his best stuff to begin with. But then all of a sudden, by the end of the game, he was dealing. So good good start and, and just an absolutely electric start to the season for Marcus.
2: Yep, yeah, he has been fantastic. And don't forget tonight, game four, important start. Kyle Hendricks versus Blake Snell. Crowley, our Cubs
3: could win the series, worst-case scenario, they split four. Anytime you can take the series in San Diego, 1984 me loves it.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode number 41. Jameson Tyone finally wins one. Unbelievable. In this segment, Crowley's talking to Sam Widerhalf. He, of course, is the play-by-play
3: voice of the first-place Myrtle Beach Pelicans, the Cubs' low-A affiliate. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have the play-by-play boys for your Myrtle Beach Pelicans, Sam Weiderhaft. Sam, I was talking to you before. You guys just have such awesome gear and alternate logos. I'm looking what you're wearing, and every time I see something on, whether it's on TV or whether it's you and I talking, I'm like, man, I want that hat. I want that shirt. Like, I want everything, man. It's awesome.
4: <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I think we have, uh, we have a great look all the way across the board. Um, so many different hats, so many different jerseys, but they all hit. And, uh, no, I love it. I love our branding here. I think we do a really good job um, with that side of things. And, yeah, it's like every single hat that we drop, it's it's like the biggest deal ever, and people love it. So um, I, I try and wear as much stuff as I can.
3: Not only do you guys look cool on the field, but so far it looks like you guys are having a pretty good season. Last time we talked, you know, the, the, the season was just starting up, but now, now we're kind of in full gear, and you take a look at the Carolina League South and the Myrtle Beach Pelicans – are tied in first place 28 and twenty two, with Columbia, uh the Royals affiliate. So what has been going right for this team? Seems like a lot, huh?
4: Well it's been a, a recent surge. Um so last week we played in Fayetteville and swept them um, in six games and the pitching was just dominant. Um we had five games where we held the woodpeckers to one run or less. Um, so you're gonna win most games by doing that. And then now um you know looking at the at the Sunday game right now, but we've won three of the first five games um, against the Salem Red Sox. And the hitting has really kind of come a, come around the past few games. We've had three home runs this week and um, players are, are starting to find some power. So everything's just kind of clicking at the right time. You know, it's a, it's a season split into halves. We're at game number uh, 51 right now in a 66 game first half. So in a really good spot playing really good baseball at the right time. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I keep thinking back on it with last year's team and how stacked that team was and, they go forty seven and nineteen in the first half. Um, and then this team, it's taken a little bit longer to kind of get going, but now guys are starting to figure it out. And uh just it's two totally different teams, but we could possibly be looking at back to back uh Carolina League South first half champions.
3: Right. So the season is it June twenty-fifth? Is that roughly when when that season the first half comes to an end?
4: Yeah, so we'll be in Canapolis. Um, it'll be sixty-six games down, and uh, you know, that'll that'll be the end of the first half and then move right on to the uh move right on to the second half but um yeah it's it's kind of interesting how they how they split the season like that um 132 games in total but you know it kind of rewards uh that first half team for you know because there's so much roster turnover right so kind of rewards that first half team for being so good in the first part of the season
3: and as you said you you know you're, you're in the middle of a great stretch and you guys were on marquee what was it was it thursday night
4: uh, yeah, that's right. Cause we had the pirate jerseys on. So it was Thursday night,
3: Thursday night. And I got to tell you, that was such a fun game. How, I mean, the guys have to be so stoked, you know, every time that marquee and you get that big audience, but it just felt like they were playing under the lights and, and there was no quitting that team in that game.
4: No, there wasn't. Um, ends on a walk-off sacrifice fly from P- M- Miguel Pabone um, in the bottom half of the 10th, that was the second extra inning games and in, in three games against Salem at that time. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there is a lot of fight in these guys and they're young and they're learning kind of here at the single a level, but you can tell they love the game of baseball and they love who they're playing with. And I think Thursday was um, a great example of, of how they're doing that. You know, they get down early, they come back and tie the game, they grab a lead, they lose the lead and then come back and tie it and then go to extras and, and win it. So very back and forth, but it's, it's a, it's a really exciting group and uh, they're, they're just really fun to watch.
3: Now you've been doing marquee games now for a couple of years. Has it gotten a little bit easier and is it a little bit more fun now that you kind of got the rhythm and how that all works?
4: Uh, the, the nerves have definitely calmed down now. Um, now that we're, uh, oh gosh, we've been on like you said, a couple of years and um, had a good amount of games on there, but
3: it, it's always
4: just really cool being able to show the Cubs fans out in that area um, kind of what's coming here at this single A level. Not only that, but my family, most of them lives in the Midwest in Indiana. So, um, you know, my mom was, was watching at a bar and she told the whole bar that, that was her son on TV. So um it is uh it's just a super cool moment not only for the players but for me as well. And um yeah we just we just love doing it.
3: Now one guy that that kind of always catches my eye when I watch him play is Felix Stevens and he had a home run on that game on Thursday that was just crushed. Uh first baseman, what what are you seeing with Felix that really uh interests you so far?
4: Felix is a, a lot more improved from last year to this year, um, and you can tell just in the maturity and his approach at the plate. Now, he's first base primarily, but they're putting him in right field. The right field, they're putting him in left field. They're just finding ways to get him in this lineup because not only is his power just incredible, but he's also just making really good contact with the ball. Uh, strikeout rate is down. His walk rate is up. His ground ball rate from last year um, is, has been lowered, so he's driving the ball a lot more. Um, and just swinging at better pitches. I think he's been a really fun player to watch this year, and uh, the power definitely is evident, uh, but now he's starting to add more things to his game. He's stolen a couple of bases, um, so you get this big 6'5 player that's now active on the base paths. He's been great not only at first base but in the field and just kind of becoming an all-around player this year.
3: You know, you mentioned Moises Ballesteros, and it's funny because at one time it looked like catching was a real deficiency in the Cubs minors, and then now that I start looking through it, it looks like more and more that it's starting to become a position of strength. Have you noticed that as well?
4: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, up and down the cup system, I think um, the catcher is a really strong position. And then, you know, even you go even lower and you got Adon Sanchez in the complex league that hasn't even reached Myrtle beach yet, but you still heard a little bit about him. Um, but Moises has been really strong for the Pelicans this season behind the plate, really good defensively. Um, and then also playing first base on days that Miguel Pabon catches. So those two kind of alternate, but, uh Ballesteros just has such a mature, I've said it before, but such a mature approach at the plate. He walks more than he strikes out, which I think is something that really is um, just cool to see when you're just 19 years old and you're facing pitching that's a lot older than you and more experienced. He's just really patient at the plate. So, um, yeah, hits the ball hard, has been really impressive this year, and uh, just looking forward to seeing how much more he improves
3: one of those guys that i always like to see with runners on base is andy gariola left fielder man it, it seems like that guy just has something that he just seems to do better when there are guys to drive in you, you know that he's been a lot of fun to watch and then i was watching one game where he just went over that left field corner there's a little beach i guess you call it over there yeah oh man the guy the guy plays with a lot of heart
4: <laughs> he certainly no he definitely does the effort is there for him and you mentioned coming up with guys on base but when he's on base he's the team's stolen base leader um which you really don't think of when you got a, a pretty much a power first kind of player but he's got seven or eight stolen bases this year um and that number is upticked in the past couple of weeks but yeah like you said plays with a lot of heart loves this game um loves his teammates and uh, just likes getting out there so typically out in left field for myrtle beach and and like you said we'll see him uh being pretty active out there but Uh, you just, just a really fun player to watch. It's got a lot of power and is now adding some more aspects to his game.
3: Now, the one guy, obviously that was the big international free agent signing a few, you know, a few years back, Christian Hernandez, you know, like you said, there, there is an age difference between some guys that are in Myrtle beach and, and some of the competition they're playing against. How's it been going so far for Christian has, has has, you seen improvements since the beginning of the season?
4: Well, he definitely started off strong. Um, Wasn't striking out nearly as much as I think a lot of people thought he would looking at his numbers from last year um, and was just really patient. Now, at the end of April, early May, those strikeout numbers increased by a ton. Um, Now, he has limited that and is getting smarter at the plate, getting more patient as well. So it's just all about adjusting. I think I've said it before, but, um, you know, coming into the season, nobody really knows a lot about anybody. And then the scouting reports come out, you know how to pitch to certain hitters, you know what approach to have. So I think Christian's just kind of going through that. And figuring that out now, while the bat has cooled off a little bit, his glove in the field has been tremendous. I mean, making jumping catches. His arm is one of the best I've seen at shortstop. I mean, he just made this play a couple of weeks ago, where he's deep out in shallow left center field and throws out a runner at first base with just an incredible arm, a great zip on it on the throw. So, uh, fielding wise, he is spectacular to watch. And now, uh, just you know, see you know how the how the bat kind of comes around as the rest of the year goes on.
3: And, and one guy that I just, just because I just love his personality that I'm looking at, Rafael Morel, um, Christopher's brother, how has he been doing? And he's, he's been moving around in a lot of different positions for, for Myrtle Beach so far.
4: Yeah. He's been used a lot of different ways. Uh, second base, shortstop, third base, they put him out in center field quite a bit. Um, so just finding ways to enter the lineup, but just consistent. Um, you know, he's been batting around 270, 280 for a couple of weeks now, and hasn't really gone through too many struggles. Um, so He's getting on base a ton, playing great in the field so far. Um, and then, like you said, his personality, he's always smiling, just like his brother is up in the major league level. So there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, and Rafael has just been a really fun player
3: to watch. Now, you got to see the Cubs' two top draft picks from last year. Cade uh, Horton, he was there for a little while and then moved up. What did you notice when you saw Cade Horton? And, and and how And how surprised were you with how quickly he moved up?
4: Oh, I noticed on his first start that he was, throw, you know, throwing 98 miles per hour. So, <laughs> when you're throwing 98, and then you also got a wipeout slider that everyone's talking about, uh, that is uh, that's stuff to mess with. So, yeah, I, I I don't know if I was surprised because I knew that he had the the collegiate, you know, while it wasn't a ton, he did have the collegiate experience, which usually kind of gets you that bump to that bump to high A pretty quick. Um, I think his numbers were uh, definitely worthy of a promotion while in Myrtle Beach. So. Um, while I was, of course, sad to see him go. Uh, I definitely, uh, you know, I, I understood the promotion and, um, you know, hope, hope he does pretty well in South Bend. But he's, he was, you know, a great personality um, and then just really fun to watch on the mound. I, I really cannot wait to watch him at that major league level in Chicago because I fully believe that he'll get there in, in the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, in the uh, gosh, one or two starts we had on Pelicans ballpark, he was uh, he was definitely fun.
3: And now when you look at the other, the second pick of last year's draft, you got Jackson Ferris, who's made, uh, you know, roughly pitched about the same amount of innings as K did. And their numbers look really darn similar so far. Uh, What what have you seen so far from Jackson Ferris?
4: Well, I wish I could see more. Um, You know, it's tough because at this level, you got, you know, the inning and the pitch limits. And Jackson's only been able to go about, uh, he's been three innings. That's been his longest. Um, So He's got an era of like point 60 um, so you can't do much better. His first start when he came out against Columbia, struck out seven of the first ten batters he's faced. Uh, you know that was that was definitely fun to watch for your uh, you know Cubs organization debut. but um, yeah, just kind of figuring things out. he's had a couple of just different starts where he hasn't really matched that same stuff that he had in Colombia with those seven strikeouts, but he's still getting outs and he's not getting in trouble. Um, he's locating the ball well, the fastball is zipping in about 95 96. Um, and then has some great off-speed stuff, too. I've heard a lot about his slider, which looks pretty good so far. Um, so he's just navigating his way through those three innings that he's in for and just kind of nailing down a routine as well. I think, I think that's so big, especially as a 19-year-old kid coming out of high school, paid a lot of money after signing with the Cubs, You know, kind of figuring out how to deal with those expectations and then sit in a routine for yourself, and that's something that Jackson's doing here at Myrtle Beach.
3: And who would you say so far, you know, other than Caden Jackson, obviously those are guys that people are watching, but who are some pitchers that have starters that have really kind of been able to carry the load and really kind of steady this rotation down?
4: Well, I think about three, um, and they are all college guys. So Grant Kipp being the first one, he's usually the Tuesday starter and he has just had a fantastic couple of outings. Um, his last three or four, he's been on it. And he went six innings on Tuesday. He was the first Pelican starter to go six innings. Um, and just was able to figure everything out and uh, I think gave up one earned run to Salem. But uh, he's been a guy that was an, he was an undrafted free agent last year. Not a lot of expectation. And now he's kind of tar- starting to turn a little bit of turn some heads in his last few starts. Him, uh, Nick Hole, who came out of Grand Canyon, he was a draft pick last year, typically starting on Friday or Saturday for the Pelicans. He's been solid, um, added a lot of velocity to his fastball. Also has some good secondary stuff as well. And then Brody McCullough, who's the uh, Sunday starter, he was a D2 guy, drafted out of Wingate, um, but just has an incredible fastball, 94-95, but it's been unhittable. Um, And he's a guy that, you know, when he pitches, I kind of like to describe him as just knowing how to pitch. He knows how to sequence his pitches and get through his outings. So typically seeing about five innings from McCullough, he's actually pitching tonight. So looking forward to that. But he struck out eight batters in his last three outings. So just unhittable. And he's been uh, he's been electric so far from Myrtle Beach.
3: And who would you say is the guy that throws with the most heat, especially coming out of the pen? Who's the guy that's really lighting up the gun?
4: Well, there's been a few. I think Angel Gonzalez, who we actually saw in the Saturday, Saturday night game, um, when he comes out, you're expecting about 97, 98 miles per hour. Um, I'm not sure if he's touched 99, but he gets up there in those upper 90s. So he's the guy that kind of comes to mind. Saul Gonzalez, out of the bullpen, throws pretty hard. I mean, Ferris, his first start was thrown incredibly hard. Um, but yeah, you got a few flamethrowers that are, that are, you know, touching those high velocity numbers. And now it's just kind of about commanding that and, uh, you know, kind of grooving that fastball. So it's, you know, 98 and where you want it to go.
3: Would you say you've seen more velocity in the last year or two than you did previously, or is it about the same?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. It's, uh, you know, that's kind of the philosophy all across baseball is adding that velocity to pitchers and really getting those, uh, those high speed fastballs. And I don't know if I, I mean, when Kate Horton came out in his Pelicans ballpark debut, and threw 98 miles per miles per hour. I don't think I've seen a Pelican starter, uh, touch 98. I think, uh, well, Daniel Palencia a couple of years ago when he was here, definitely touched that, but I think it's becoming a lot more common for guys to, to touch those higher nineties numbers. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just kind of been such a big thing across baseball to get that high velocity fast, high velocity fastball, and then add a secondary pitch uh, to it. So I I definitely say it's, it's uh, the velocity is increasing for sure.
3: Well, Sam, you know, I always tell people, Hey, you know, you got to go down to Myrtle beach. If you're planning a vacation, Myrtle beach is the place to go. Well, Sam, I am proud to announce I am putting my money where my mouth is. I am heading down to beautiful Myrtle beach. To check out the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, I will be down with you. I'm talking, Sam, beer, beaches, baseball. I will be there the 14th and 15th. I'll be spending a week in Myrtle Beach, but I'll be spending a couple days at Pelicans Park. Uh, You may see me coming out of the pen or at least maybe throwing a first pitch, maybe singing a stretch. I don't know, but I can't tell you how excited I am to finally make my way to Myrtle Beach.
4: Dude, it's going to be awesome. Um, You're going to love it. I think Myrtle Beach is your kind of place. Uh, Like you said, I mean, beer, we got great bars. We have great baseball. We have great beaches. Um, There's just everything here to do. And there's not going to be one minute where you're bored. I mean, it's there's so many things to do in Myrtle Beach. And yeah, excited to get you to Pelicans ballpark to see the Cubs prospects, but also just kind of get a full Pelicans experience as well. So it's going to be fun.
3: I, I, I said, man, that I'm, I'm going to a couple of games and in one game I have, you know, pretty good seats behind the, the Pelicans dugout, but I'm like, I'm just going to literally be wandering around the ballpark because every time I watch it on TV, I'm like, I want to go over there. I want to check out the beach part over there. I think you have a, a Clark and Addison cafe I always see by a marquee. I'm going to be checking it out. I'm going to be running around. Ch- and so for those of you listening, you know, on, on my socials at Crawley's Cubs, I'm going to have tons of content coming out of Myrtle Beach. We're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna definitely be talking to Sam he's going to be showing me the haunts in, in different places at Myrtle Beach it is going to be a blast and I cannot thank you guys enough just for the opportunity to come out there and, and have a lot of fun and this is really I'm really super excited I cannot believe the countdown is on we're about less than two weeks away
4: yeah it's coming up and uh I mean definitely one thing you have to do is get a beer bat I think that is <laughs> the uh the number one thing on your list when you come to Pelicans ballpark Pelicans beer bat
3: well, I'm taking a look. The game I'm throwing the first pitch out is going to be on uh, Thursday. It's going to be against Fredericksburg, and it is Thirsty Thursday. So I don't know if that was done on purpose or just coincidental, but I'm going to have to represent.
4: Absolutely. I mean, you got to you gotta do what everybody else is doing. Thirsty Thursday environments are, are great. Um, it's a really lively, lively crowd at the ballpark, and I'm looking forward to just seeing you experience it.
3: I can't wait. I, I was, I was trying in spirit to keep up with you at the hot dog contest, but let's see what we can do with maybe with some beers. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can ever eat another hot dog again.
3: <laughs> How, what was the final test? Ta- so for tell, tell everybody what happened. It's just in case they didn't hear about this.
4: Okay. Yeah. So we had a, every Wednesday at Pelican's ballpark is Wiener Wednesday. Um. So it's half price hot dogs and uh, me and actually, the, uh, base, the Cubs baseball stadiums, baseball systems video intern, uh, Britton Barthold, we got into a uh, an agreement where, hey, it's Winter Wednesday, so let's try and do the nine hot dogs and nine innings challenge. He got through it. Um, so he sits in the booth next to me. He got through it, uh, nine hot dogs in about five innings, uh, which I was not going to be at that pace at all. I got through five hot dogs and five innings and then really started to slow down about the six. And then I only got six and a quarter done. But you may or may not see that challenge come back later on in the season. We'll <laughs> see. But the first run, uh, we got through six and a quarter. So uh, it was more than I thought I would get, but I need to lay off hot dogs for a long time.
3: All right. Well, I want, well, when, once you get back training, hopefully we'll be there. And like I said, we'll see. Maybe Thursday, Thursday, we'll go a beer in and inning. We'll figure it out. But Sam, like I said, looking forward to this. Thank you for jumping on. As always, love talking Pelican baseball, and I'm going to love experiencing it even more.
4: Crawley, always a pleasure, man. Looking forward to getting you down here in Dirty Myrtle. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
2: This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 41. Tyone wins one. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. All right, Crowley, let's get into a little bit of the off the field news.
3: Yeah, it was uh, Jordan Bastion tweeted out today, Christopher Morel taking some ground balls at first base. Um, I mean, you know, it's this is what I was concerned about. He's not getting a lot of playing time. And uh, I'm sure this is just a way to kind of see, you know, if 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 he can learn another position, just another opportunity to try and get his bat in. Well,
2: based on the production at first base, you can't blame the Cubs for checking that out. But I, I I wonder if you, instead of doing that, if you were really thinking about not playing Mervis and Mancini as much, why not put Wisdom over at first base and let morell play third?
3: It's a good question. I I, it, I, feel like that they really want run prevention, and I feel that I'm not sure that they feel that Murrell's well, I, 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 over, I I can't over think Wisdom. That, I can't think Wisdom
2: and Morell are that different at that position as far as – I mean, you could – that's what they're trying to sell me when they put uh, Master Boney in the lineup, okay? They're trying to sell us that he's going to play defense. So that's fine, but he doesn't need to bat leadoff then.
3: Right, right, but I think that you know the question is, is that the Cubs at some point in time have to start thinking trade deadline. You and I have talked about possible Strowman extensions, but there's other, you know, there's a trade possibility there at some point. Do you, if if the season, you can't keep treading water. That's why tonight's start with Hendricks is a big one. You need to start winning series. You need to start climbing back into this one to show Jed that he needs to be a buyer and not a seller. And so I just look at this right now and say to myself. Um, I'm really just hoping that the Cubs can, you know, string some wins together. But if they don't, let's say Trey Mancini gets traded, you know what I mean? Then you can possibly put Morel at first is my thinking. Also, Crowley, as we're recording
2: this, it is Monday. It's June the 5th. It's 2023. And on this day in 1985, Ferris Bueller's day off.
3: Yeah, look, at I got my safe Ferris shirt. They had that. If you watch on uh, the score on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube score channel on YouTube. uh, Today's the day. This is kind of funky. A baseball perspective a a few years ago, uh, Larry Granillo figured out what game Ed Rooney watched from the counter at the pizza joint. Do you remember that when, when, when Principal Rooney comes in, he says, what's the score? Zero, zero. Who's winning the bears? Just a classic scene. And what they ended up figuring it out was that from the game, it was a game that was played on June fifth, nineteen eighty five. They were ev- they were eventually able to figure it out. Eleven inning pop out by the Braves, Claudel Washington. And so, if you remember the movie, uh, Ferris catches the foul ball, and then and Mr. Rooney just misses seeing it. But the scene wasn't filmed that day. That was just the the call you heard from Harry Carey, them actually sitting at the game was technically September 24th, 1985, but I can't believe it's been that long.
2: Yeah, classic movie. Got to make sure if your kids haven't seen it, maybe uh, get a rainy summer day, get in front of the TV. I'm sure it's on all the on-demand services we all have right now. All right, let's talk about some roster moves, some injury report. On Saturday, we got a little bit more official of the Justin Steele news.
3: Yeah, no surprise, 15-day IL, and that's the forearm strain, so that's what they say is the issue right now. We're going to keep our fingers crossed, retroactive June 1st. But this was a surprise move, Dustin, because Miguel Amaya was called up. Now, obviously, Miguel really made a strong impression on the team when he came up earlier when Jan Gomes was in concussion protocol. Uh, in 28 games so far with A Tennessee and Iowa, he's hitting 294, 431, 565 with 10 doubles and 5 homers. So, I mean, clearly he's playing really well. It's just a question of on this team, can you go with three catchers considering all the needs they have? And so uh, Ross was asked, he said, Miggy earned the ability to get another call-up with how he performed last time, putting himself on the map and filling in while Jan was down was really important. He did a really nice job of coming in and proving – what we believed for a long time, he's well on the way of becoming an everyday big leaguer, and just another opportunity that presented itself for him to come in and impact us and help win ball games. So, I have I mean, no problem
2: with it right now. I mean, until somebody until they gotta have a need in the bullpen, if uh, if Wes Niski can uh, slide into Steele's spot, I have no problem with this right now.
3: Yeah, I, I have a lot of people that always kind of tweet suggestions at me or things to say, and I, the one thing I will caution is don't be quick to cut Barnhart, okay? Just because, you know, David Ross puts him in some crappy lineups. When Barnhart is in the lineup, that means you should have a stronger offense around right. him. and it seems like he, the
2: pitchers love him.
3: Right, the pitchers love him, and Miguel Amaya love him to death. Uh, he he was, again, one of the top prospects. Injuries affected him, so if you lose Barnhart, that's it. He's gone. And so you you just – I just feel like people sometimes undervalue the role of the catcher, you know, not the hitting part, but everything else they undervalue. I mean, you know, the next guy up, if something were to happen to Maya and you got rid of Tucker Barnhart is Dom Nunez, and that doesn't make me very confident. I think there are great catchers in the Cubs system, and they'll be coming up shortly. We talked about one of them with Sam Widerhoff with Moises Ballesteros. Um, You know, there's a lot of good guys. Pablo Aliendo in Double a a lot of great catchers in the system. I'm just going to say, you know, right now, I wouldn't be that quick to get rid of Tucker Barnhart. But if Miguel Amaya is up, I'd love to see him catch some, and I'd love to see him DH much more than some other guys. Right. Cody Bellinger took
2: a little uh, BP in San Diego, did a little bit of running, but it uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon.
3: Nah, he said the idea of him coming back for this road trip is too aggressive, you know, undecided if he's going to do a minor league stint. Uh, Bellinger said it's definitely frustrating, but I think once I come back, I'm still pretty confident that I'm going to be where I was. I feel good. I still feel strong. I'm able to do quite a bit in workouts. It's only the extension. So I'm pretty confident once I'm come back, I can play how I want to play. So here's hoping, right? Here's hoping. So
2: Crowley, after winning the first two of the three games against the Padres, let's take a look at where the Cubs are in the standings.
3: Yeah. Looking right now, the Cubs are in third place at 26 and 32. They're 5.5 games back of the Brewers. Everybody in this division, this is literally just stagnant right now. Milwaukee's in first at 32 and 27, but they're 5 and 5 in their last 10. Pittsburgh, 31 and 27. They're only 0.5 back, so they're not going away. They got a five game win streak going, so look out for Pittsburgh. The Cubs, again, that 4 and 6, they're 5.5 games back. Cincinnati is on a four game losing streak, so they went from hot to cold real quick. They're now below the Cubs. And then every time we think, you know, I think we just have PTSD of all those years that the Cardinals do some devil magic and come back to do something amazing. They're still in the basement at 25 and 35, 10 games under 500 and 7.5 games back on a three-game losing streak. So I don't know.
2: All right, Crowley, the Cubs, after they wrap up against the Padres, they uh, move over to the Angels for three games. And uh, we did find out that the uh, Cubs are going to avoid Shohei Otani, at least from a
3: pitching standpoint. Woo! So if you take a look at the uh, last season, the Angels were a disaster. They had a strong start, but then they lost 12 straight games and former Cubs skipper Joe Madden was fired and replaced by former Cub Phil Nevin in early June. Don't forget, Joe man will be at Club 400 for a party that won't suck. But after a slight bounce back, the Angels continued their losing ways. They finished up 73-89. and 89. So in the offseason, they added left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson, who the Cubs will see. Infielder Brandon Drury, Cub fans are familiar with him. Right-handed pitcher Carlos Estevez. Outfielder Brett Phillips. Third baseman Gio Urshela and right fielder Hunter Redfro. So a lot of familiar names on there. They did lose Michael Lorenzen, but right now the angels are currently in third in the AL West behind Texas and Houston. So tough division there, but get the uh, Dustin. I always think about like how COVID screwed things up. The last time the Cubs played the angels was 2019 and the Cubs took two of three from the LA but they've only played the Angels 17 times since interleague started and have 11-6 and six record against L.A. Just one of those teams you don't see that often, you know?
2: Well, hopefully the uh, good news keeps on going then. If they've got an 11-6 record, let's uh, hope for another two out of three.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, when we talk about the pitching probables, the Angels are using their off day to give Shohei Otani some rest so the Cubs won't have to face him. So when we take a look at the probables, this is what we got so far. We got Hayden Wozniski for the Cubs. He's got a two and two record, um, and and his ERA now is currently at four eighty one versus Tyler Anderson, two and one with a five forty seven ERA. When we took a, a look, Hayden came up. Uh, remember, he was kind of a surprise call up, and what they ended up doing with Hayden is that when uh, Justin Steele had the forearm issues. He came in and I thought he looked really good against Tampa Bay. He went 3.2 innings. He gave up one hit, one earned run, two walks, and four strikeouts. Uh, you know, I like I said, that was the question if he should have you know faced one more batter or not, but didn't happen. But I thought that to me that was the best that Hayden Wisniski had looked in a long, long time. That at least in my picture, in my opinion. I don't know what you you know. We, yep. I thought he we both
2: great. thought that. Yep, he looked, uh, he looked fantastic. Now we just hope he can do it from a starting, you know, starting from Jump Street instead of coming in kind of mid-game.
3: The Cubs are going to be facing Tyler Anderson. He's a lefty, so, you know, hopefully, the you know, thankfully the Cubs hopefully won't have that left-handed lineup out there. Uh, but <laughs> if you're taking a look there, the last time they played the White Sox and uh, what's the last time Anderson started. He went four innings pitch, gave up six hits, six earned runs, two walks, and three Ks. He had a much better start the start before a week before in Boston. Uh, he went six innings pitch, gave up five hits, one earned run. And then against Baltimore on the 18th, he went five innings pitch, gave up six hits, three earned runs, two walks, and two Ks. So, uh, you know, looks like that's going to be a pretty good matchup, I think, as far as I don't see either team having that much of a an advantage. Now, you were talking about the next big start for Jamison Tyone. Well, absolutely right, Dustin. It's going to be this one. This is this series makes me nervous because I don't like how the staff lines up. You know what I mean? Um, when you're looking at Jamison Tyone here, he's 1-3. Uh, he got that ERA down to 7.05. And so that win against San Diego, 4.2, he gave up one earned runs. And, again, I thought that Cincinnati start, the line doesn't look great at 4.2 innings pitch, six hits, four earned runs. I just thought he looked better than he had in yep. the past. So look better. Yep. let's kind of hope that he can kind of continue rolling and uh, get that going. Now the Cubs are going to face Jaime Barrera, who's two and two with a one fifty nine ERA. And so, like I said, I just, I just don't like how this lines up really well, but when you take a look at Barrera, uh, Barrera, he is right now he's two and two in his last start against the White Sox. He went five innings pitch, what gave a four hits one and run three walks, six K's. Against Miami, he uh, he only went one inning. He gave up one hit and two walks. So it looked like he came out of the bullpen in that start right there. So I don't know that much about uh, Jamie Barrera, but you know he started some games for them, not too many. It looks like he just started his first one on May twenty second against boston and then came out of the pen against miami and then started again for the white Sox. so it looks like he's spot starting here and it doesn't look like he's gone any time any time past five innings so i think for the cubs it would be it would benefit them to have a real patient approach you know
2: yeah we'll have to wait and see on that one um but i, I don't mind them facing a guy that's you know making a spot start kind of in an uncomfortable spot for him that, that could be a good thing for the cubs
3: yeah, let, let's hope. As long as you have a good approach, patient approach, I think that'll benefit them. Uh, I'm really looking for a good start. I feel like I haven't seen, like, really, really good Smiley. I think I've seen average Smiley lately uh, against San Diego, 5.2. He only gave up third, three earned runs against Cincinnati. It almost feels like that whole Cincinnati you could throw that whole series out. That was such garbage. 4.2 innings pitch, seven hits, and five earned runs in that one. But before that against the Mets, he went five innings, Four hits, two earned runs. So I'm looking to get a little length out of him, and hopefully he, he pitches a little bit better than he has been lately. That's you know, that's what you hope for. And then this is one though that he's facing Reed Detmers, who who's 0-5 with a 515 15. Go get him. him go so get, him. Yep, go get l- him. Let's hope, like you said, this is a guy that that clearly has had his struggles last time out against Houston, five innings pitch. He gave up four earned runs against Miami, five innings pitch, three earned runs. And against Minnesota, 5.2 innings. So this is another guy that doesn't seem to go really deep into games yet. So, uh, you know, the, the trick is right now, get into that bullpen early and hopefully wear them down, and the Cubs will be able to, you know, I'm looking at all the games he started. In the month of May so far, he hasn't gone past the 5.2 innings. So, you know, try to try to wear these guys down, get to the bullpen, and, and hopefully do some damage.
2: All right, before the predictions, Crawley, let's get into hot and not.
3: Who is hot for the Cubs? How about the new daily double of Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner? With Dansby Swanson lately, six hits in his last 17 at bats, one home run, three RBIs. He's slashing 353, 421, 588. And Nico Horner, the leadoff man, David Ross, if you're listening, the leadoff man is five for his last 18. He's got three walks as well. He's slashing 278, 381, 500. Um, as far as not for the Cubs, you know, guys, I, I was cautious about calling these kids up and all three of them, Mervis Morrell and Rios are really struggling. If you're taking a look here, they have a combined 16 at bats and no hits. So that is not great. The only thing I will say is that Christian Ver Morrell, the last couple of times is starting to draw walks. And when he does that and he can start being patient, same stuff we used to talked about with Javi Baez, That's when they have to come into him. And once you come into Christopher Morrell, it doesn't take much for him to launch one.
2: Yeah, and Nico, yeah, Nico's been okay. Uh, Ian Hap's been eh as well lately. So a couple of these guys need to get going, no doubt about it. You just wouldn't think that all the AAA guys would be bad at the same time.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's – it's It's tough. You know, like you said, uh, you know, Ian's doing okay. He, he continues to get on base, continues to draw walks, but as far as the hits in the RBIs, you'd like to see more. Say has really kind of been struggling as well. Not, I didn't put him in the cold because he, you know, he's a 222 on average, 300 OBP, 278 slug, but Uh, You know, he's you know, there's a couple guys that are kind of a little bit slow that you'd like to see. But that's the thing, you know, when you got Nico and Dansby going and maybe then you got, Saya and, and, uh, you know, somebody else, Ian Happ, a little bit lower. You just can't have everybody hurting at the same time.
2: Exactly right. All right. Let's get into uh, who's doing okay for the Angels.
3: For the Angels, look out for left fielder Taylor Ward right now. He's got uh, 10 hits in his last 26 at bats with two home runs. Five RBIs. That's a slash line of 385, 407, 654. And then there's Mr. Shohei Otani, nine for his last 25, with three home runs, eight RBIs. He is slashing 360, 407, 880. Do not let this guy beat you, please. <laughs> and Gio well, Urshela- Yeah, uh, I
2: mean, we always, you always know that Otani's probably going to be in the hot category, but in the cold category, it's Mike Trout. You got to keep that guy cooled off.
3: Yeah, two for his last 22. Again, he does have a home run and three RBIs, but eight strikeouts to three walks. His slash line point, 091. So, you know, like I said, it, hopefully he stays cold because when you have Otani and Trout hot, it is not a fun. And, and we talked yeah, about... Just, add, just
2: ask the White Sox.
3: Right. We talked about how the Angels picked up... Uh, Gio Urshela at third base. He's another guy to kind of watch for that kind of makes me a little bit nervous. So just kind of keep your eye out for that guy. All right, Crowley, prediction time. Uh, you want to go first?
2: You don't sound very confident. I'll tell you that right now.
3: I don't feel very confident on it. I'm going to go the Cubs take one of three. I like the Drew Smiley start.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go two out of three. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to invest in, uh, Jamison Tyone again. I'm going to believe that he's going to put, uh, couple of good back-to-back games I'm going I'm going two for three and part of it's also because Mike Trout's ice cold right now
3: yeah you know it's just I, I get well, this Cubs offense is, is very much what we predicted you know what I mean like they'll have one game where they have an outburst like they did the other night and then all of a sudden they'll have a game where they get three hits and you're just like what what the heck so it's just the consistency of the offense worries me and and, and again you have two guys in Wes and Tyone who still have a lot to prove this season so I, I don't like how it matches up, but I, I could see him winning two or three. But I think, you know, on the road, I think it's a little bit tougher. So I'm, that's why I went one to three.
2: All right. That's a wrap. Crowley's got the uh, Cubs winning one of three from the Angels. I've got to win in two of three. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow on the socials Fly the W on Facebook, Fly the W on Instagram. You can email us, Fly the W 670 Gmail. And now, as your Crowley mentioned earlier, You can watch us on YouTube by subscribing
3: to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. We're going to keep going through this West Coast trip together. If you can't catch all the games, you can follow us on the socials and you'll get all the information there. And you can be happy when you see it in the morning and you can say, Go Cubs! It's all over!